Okay, this, this idea, uh, not this idea, this, this teaching about the, the coming judgment uh, that is to come, um, it, it ultimately is rooted in, I mean, it's, it's probably rooted in something even deeper, but what I would say uh, it's rooted in is, is the resurrection of Jesus. So, of course, with so many things with Christianity, our faith hinges on, on what exactly is taking place up there, right? That's, that's what our faith hinges on. If Jesus is just an ordinary man, then, then that isn't doing anything for us, right? If Jesus is just an ordinary man, then, uh, then who cares about that? Right? Because lots of people were crucified at the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire, all around the Roman Empire. And if Jesus is just another one of those, um, even if he was a good man and innocent, uh, if he's not truly God, then that's worthless to everybody and anybody. But if it's true that, that the person hanging on the cross is not just any ordinary man, but he's an extraordinary man, that he is the God man, then suddenly this has a lot more meaning to it. And not just this, but then what flows from this, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that, that he rises from the dead uh, and reveals himself to his disciples, um, that he ascends into heaven and he gives the Holy Spirit and then he promises that he's going to come back to judge us all. Uh, but, but what takes place before he ascends into heaven is that he institutes these things we call the sacraments, right? We know this, that, that for us as Catholic Christians, we have seven sacraments. And the first sacrament that a person receives is baptism. And when we are baptized, we teach that we are baptized into Christ. In other words, our identity becomes somehow united with his identity. You've heard this phrase before, that we are members of the body of Christ. That because of our baptism, we somehow are united to Jesus, who is our head, and we are the members of his body. So if, if that's true, then what? Then that means if he died and then rose from the dead, we too will die and rise from the dead. This is what we believe. And Jesus, as a part of this, right, because we take on his identity, that means we are made to live like him. It's, it's now our mission. Whatever his mission was on earth, now our mission is the same thing on earth. So that just as he now lives in heaven forever, we too, if we live like he lived, will live with him forever in heaven. We'll be united with him. But if, if we're not uh, living like him, then we'll be separated from him for all of eternity. That's, that's the, the principle of what's going on here. So, so in other words, there's, there's obviously like a ton, and, and you all know this, but I think this, this review might be helpful. There's a ton that's riding on this event, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the passion, death, resurrection of Jesus. So, so much is, is, is hinging on that. And for us, of course, we believe this, hopefully we believe this, that, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and therefore it follows that we will rise with him in the end, in the resurrection. St. Paul actually is talking about this. So we, we heard in our second reading uh, where he, he began by saying, Christ has been risen from the dead. Um, right before this, Paul is, is talking about this. He says, um, it, now if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So in other words, people were acknowledging that Jesus rose from the dead, but they were not acknowledging then that, that those who are members of his body the baptized faithful will then also rise from the dead. There's somehow people are believing that even though Jesus rose from the dead and now we share in his identity, we're not really gonna rise from the dead. So Paul's like, no, how does, how does that happen? Actually he's saying, if, if, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. In other words, Paul's saying, look, look, if there's not another life that is to come, if, if there's no resurrection, if there's no eternity, then 
then people should feel bad for us. Because why? Well, because we've taken on the identity of Christ. We're living like him. Well, how did he live? He lived pretty penitentially. Right? He denied himself. He fasted. He, he prayed a lot. He didn't indulge in his fleshly desires. And so Paul's saying, look, if, if we took on that identity and, and we're not living for another life, but this is all that there is. And so we're just living our lives, denying ourselves and fasting and not indulging the pleasures, the desires of our flesh. If, if, if we're doing that and there's nothing, there's no reward that is to come, then people should feel bad for us. Right? That, that's what he's getting at. If there's no resurrection, then who cares about our life? But then that's where we get into our reading. But he's like, no, no, no. But actually, Christ has been raised from the dead. And so because he has been raised from the dead, we too have something to look forward to. That because Jesus has in fact been raised from the dead, we too can look forward to the moment of our death. Not, not that, of course we know this, we don't want to do anything to make it happen sooner, but, but we, we actually have something to look forward to at the moment of our death because at the moment of our death, if we are united with Jesus, in other words, if we're living like him, then death, it's going to unlock for us a whole eternity of joy. It's incredible. Right? Provided we live, live like him. This is, and this ultimately is what, what's getting, what Jesus is getting when he's talking about the judgment that is to come. He's like, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And in this kingdom, Jesus is the king. Now, if Jesus is the king and we are members of his body, what does that mean? It means that somehow we share in his kingship. It's incredible. Now, now the, the trick here is, and it's not so much a trick as, as maybe a warning. The warning here is that there's a judgment that comes before we can inherit the kingdom. We heard about this in our gospel. We heard about this last week. We heard about this the week before. There's a judgment that's going to come. And we, we actually hear about this pretty regularly throughout Scripture. Jesus talks about judgment a lot. That he's going to come in his glory and he's going to judge everybody. How? According to whether we are living like he is. And if we're not living like he lives, then we're showing that we actually don't want him to be our king. And if we don't want him to be our king, then he's not going to force himself upon us. So if we don't want him to be our king, then that's fine. We just won't be a part of his kingdom. <laughs> Which, of course, is a sad thing, but, but he, allows, he places a lot of responsibility in our hands by giving us the invitation, extending to us the offer and providing grace for us over and over and over again. But he places a lot in our hands. And so I was thinking about this, about, about how this, this judgment, um, it, it might... Well, it certainly does something. This, this judgment that is to come, right? So just if this is true, and I, I know that a lot of us think that it's true already. We believe it. But humor me. So if this is true, that those who share in the life of Jesus have unlocked for them an eternal state of gladness. Eternal. In other words, there's no end to it. Eternal, which means that it's much longer. You've seen me use this rope before. I didn't bring the rope before today. But, but like this life compared to eternity is like nothing, right? So if that's true, well, that, that makes a really big impact on my life, on your life. If that's true, then, then what? That means that the things that happen in my life while I'm alive on earth, before I die, it means that everything takes on less significance. It doesn't mean that it's not important, but it takes on less significance, right? You think about this. Like, if I, if I experience something in, in a moment in this life, right? If someone, if someone spits in my face, 
But then if in eternity, right? So someone spits in my face, I might be really angry with them, really upset with them. I want to punch them, something like that. But in terms of eternity, like let's say I get 50 million years down the road. Do you think I'm going to remember somebody spitting in my face? No way, right? So the things that happen in my life because of the eternal re reality, th these things just don't matter as much. We could take on something more serious, right? Like, let's say I get a cancer diagnosis, and so I suffer with cancer for years and years, and, and many of us probably know people in this situ situation where suffering for years and years and years from cancer, from disease, from tragedy, you know, whatever. And, and so like, that's, that's reality. And that can seem like an incredibly hard thing, and it is an incredibly hard thing. A really long time of suffering, perhaps. But in terms of eternity, again, let's go, okay, 50 million years seems like too far to even think about. Let's just go like 100 years down the road. In eternity, if that person is faithful to Jesus, what does that mean? It means that they're enjoying perfect happiness where there's no more suffering, there's no more pain, there's no more sadness, there's no more death. And so 100 years down the road, what is that person going to think about his or her years and years of suffering from cancer? Might not even be thinking about it. Or if anything, that person's going to say, you know what, that was really hard to go through, but <laughs> it's all worth it. It's all worth it because it led me to this. Right? So you see, you see how the, the judgment of Jesus, which unlocks for us eternity, it plays a really big significance or a big, really big role in how our life looks. Even though right now our life looks a particular way, in eternity our life is going to look completely different. And I was thinking about this, that, that in some ways this eternal reality that Jesus is talking about in his, in, in his kingship, it it can be really comforting in some ways, but it can also be really discomforting in other ways. Why can it be really comforting? Well, it can be really comforting because everything I experience in my life here and now, it takes on less significance compared to eternity. Because like, like I said, the sufferings that I go through, the trials that I go through, um, the, the, different, the different ways that, that maybe I'm insulted or the different ways that I experience the brokenness of humanity, they're all super important to me right here and right now, but a hundred years from now in eternity, they won't be as important. Right? So that's, that can actually be really comforting that, that in some ways, every way that I suffer, provided, right, with all of this, provided I remain faithful to the Lord Jesus. That is to say, I follow his commandments. I let him rule over my life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to him. I grow in a relationship with him. Provided I do that, any suffering that I encounter in my life, it's it's, it's like a path, actually, that leads me into eternal gladness and eter into eternal joy. And so that, that's really comforting that it doesn't matter if I end up like homeless. It doesn't matter if I end up without money. It doesn't matter if I suffer an incredible amount in this life. If I'm faithful to Jesus, that's the only thing that really matters in the end. And so I can experience all of those tragic things. But if I'm faithful to Jesus, then I still have an eternity of gladness opened up for me. So as I go through difficult times in my life, I can be comforted by this knowledge, just knowing that in the end, in the end, it's going to be okay. Because all I have to do is remain faithful to Jesus. That's very comforting. Now, at the same time, like I said, it can also be very discomforting. Why? Because for the same reason, it can be very discomforting because everything in my life takes on less significance compared to the judgment and eternity of Jesus. Because what happens? We tend to, and, and I don't know that this is you or this is me, but we tend to what? We tend to want to point out the different ways that we are successful in this life. 
sometimes successful at the at the the loss at the cost of fidelity to Jesus think 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 about this so maybe you know someone in your life maybe you can think of somebody in your life who's not a faithful Catholic Christian they're not coming to mass they're not going to confession they're, they're not praying. They don't, they, from, from all outside appearances, we don't know what's going on inside their heart, but from all outside appearances, they don't have any real relationship with Jesus. What's our tendency? Well, our tendency is to say, yeah, well, but they're a really good person. Our tendency is to say, yeah, but, but look at the job they have. Look at how successful they are in the world. Oh, but, but look at the scholarship that, that this person got. Right? This is our tendency. Our tendency is to say, okay, well, they're, they're not really a good Christian, but, but you know what? They've got all these other things going on for them. But again, in light of eternity and the judgment of Jesus, the judgment which the standard is faithfulness to him, the standard is following his commandments in an external and internal way. And so if that's the case, a person who is not faithful to Jesus, even if they might be very successful in a worldly kind of sense, they're ultimately what? Ultimately a failure. Because in eternity, where, where will they end up? They will end up not in the eternal kingdom prepared for them. Why? Because they don't want to be in the kingdom of Jesus. They don't want to be under his kingship. And so Jesus will say to them, okay, for you, you can go into the eternal fire prepared for you, prepared for the devil and his angels. It's a hard thing. It's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me anytime I'm tempted to break one of the commandments of Jesus, but, but even more uncomfortable is it for me when I think about the people in my life, the people that I love so dearly, who are not faithful to the Lord. Who, yes, might be really good people, might be really virtuous in all kinds of different ways, but have no real relationship with Jesus and with his church for that matter. And so for me, I think, I think there's a couple of invitations for us this week. The, the first invitation is for us to look at ourselves. Always, I think, the Lord's invitation is for us to look at ourselves and to ask ourselves this question. Where am I in terms of the kingship of Jesus, the kingship and the kingdom of Jesus? Am I faithful to the Lord in every way under his kingship, letting him rule over me? And, and I know this, that, that sometimes what can happen is there can be really faithful Catholic Christians really faithful Christian people who might be mostly faithful to the Lord, but who are not following all of his commandments. I know, I know plenty of people who maybe come to Mass week after week after week, but those people are anti-confession. I know plenty of people who, who come to Mass most weeks maybe, but they don't mind missing every now and then. For those people, they're actually committing grave sins, actually. And so they're not really under the kingship of Jesus, they're under the kingship of their convenience, which sometimes, most of the time, is disguised as being under the kingship of Jesus. Right? So we got to ask ourselves this question. And, and some, for some of us, I think for, probably for, for a lot of us, the answer truly can be, yes, no, I'm under the kingship of Jesus. I'm faithful to him. I'm striving to be more faithful. I'm striving to grow in my relationship with him. Right? So, so the, the point here isn't to say that, that we're all doomed. The point is to say that, that some of us actually are faithful to the Lord, and so we're under the kingship. The, the, but maybe for others of us, we might have some, some work to do to get under that actual kingship rather than just disguising it as our own ego, our own will. So that's the first question. The second question is, what about those people in my life that are not faithful to the Lord? That might be really good people, that have, might have a lot going for them, 
but they're not faithful to the Lord. What do I do about them? I think what I do maybe is I stop pretending and I let myself experience the sadness of their choices. I let myself experience the sadness of their refusal to come under the kingship of Jesus. And experiencing that sadness, I'm not giving up on them. But instead, what I'm doing is I'm taking that sadness and I'm going to Jesus at the moment where he's in the garden before he's arrested, his agony in the garden, and I'm letting myself be sad with Jesus about the sins of the people that I love dearly. And I'm offering this sadness to him as a prayer, as a sacrifice, so that maybe he can take it and he can do something with it. He can bring about conversion. An example, I, I don't remember if I've shared this example with you before, but, but there's, there's a person who one time came to me for confession. There's absolutely no way that you would know who this person is. I'll never see this person again in my life. So I, there's no way. So someone came to me for, for confession one time, and this person had been away from confession for 50 years. He hadn't gone to confession for 50 years. So in other words, this guy was away from the Lord, away from the church for 50 years. But for some reason, he decided that he wanted to come underneath the kingship of Jesus. And as he was confessing his sins, I won't tell you what they were, as he was confessing his sins, I just couldn't help but think to myself, this is incredible. I bet, I bet your parents died thinking that you would be away from the church for the rest of your life. And yet here he was, repenting of his sins, coming under the kingship of the Lord and preparing himself for eternity. What an incredible thing. So I, I just think about how many of us, we, and probably all of us, have people in our lives that we love so dearly, who for whatever reason have abandoned the practice of their faith. And what? Because we give up on them, we want to look at other qualities that they have. But instead, the Lord doesn't want us to give up on them. Instead, he wants us to pray for them, but to pray for them through the sadness of the rejection that they have chosen. To let ourselves feel sad about the prospect of their damnation and, then, and in that sadness to offer that to the Lord, which he then maybe could take and transform into their conversion. This, I think, is an incredible thing. And then from there, there's maybe a third question, and this will be the last question, right? So if I'm under the kingship of Jesus, right? If I'm not under his kingship, then I can't go any further than the first question. If I'm not fully in on the Lord and on his kingdom, then I can't actually move to the second question. I can't move to the third question. But if I am under his kingship, then I can move to these other questions. And the third question is this, is that when the Lord, he brings me into his identity, which means I'm preparing myself for an eternity of gladness, which will ultimately culminate in the resurrection of the body. As I prepare for that, I can also ask the question, Jesus, this was your mission. How can I participate in it? How can I bring the good news of what you have come to proclaim into the world, into the lives of the people that I know, which might be the very people that I feel sad about, it might be other people, who knows? But Jesus, how can I share in this mission your incredible divine mission of divine generosity, which invites people to repentance, it invites people to conversion, it invites people to eternal perspective. How can I share in that, Jesus? This is the incredible thing, that the Lord saves me and he uses me as an avenue to pray for people who have gone astray. 
and he uses me as an avenue to reach into the lives of other people so that they too can hear the proclamation of the good news. This is the life of somebody who has Jesus Christ as his or her king and is a member of that kingdom. This, this could be your life if it's not already. And if it is already, it could be your life continued to be magnified. What a, what a beautiful gift.